All right, we're going to time travel this morning. Sound good? Um, very exciting, I know. You seem thrilled. Uh, it won't happen physically because time's not a thing. We'll get to that later. Uh, but we're going to do it in our minds, the best way to time travel in human consciousness. Uh, it's one of actually the best features about being human is that we can go whenever we want to go. We can go back in the past of our own lives and memory, or we can go back to other people's memories. That's fun too. And we can go, of course, into the future as we use our imaginations and we dream dreams of what the future will be like. Okay, so this morning, we're going to tie our amazing human ability of time travel into faith. And I want to invite you to remember a time, anytime you want, when you had a sense of feeling connected to God sense of feeling connected to God any time in your past. It could be a recent thing that just happened, or it could be a distant memory from childhood. Maybe you're at a Christmas Eve service when you were young. Uh, maybe it was a private prayer experience you had. Maybe it was a special time with family or friends. Um, so go ahead and get into whatever helps you remember. If it helps to close your eyes, you can do that now. But think about a time, try to remember a time when you felt connected to God. Picture that scene or just list details about that scene. Where were you? How old were you? What were you thinking about? What were you feeling? How were you experiencing God in that moment? Just stay with that memory for just a moment. God with us, thank you for your presence in every time, our past, our present, our future. Help us to find you in every time. Amen. Um, Jen, I'm getting a lot of buzzing up here. Is, can you mute the other instruments maybe? Or is that, ah, okay. Thank you. Cool. We got it. Um, okay, finding God in every time. That's our subject this morning. And I've experienced this in a really surprising way over the last couple weeks. A friend passed along a podcast. It's been in existence for like a year and a half. Um, and I'm simultaneously bummed that I didn't know about it sooner, but also overjoyed that I just discovered this podcast. It's called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. Gen Xers and Gen X wannabes, you're welcome. This is your podcast. Um, this podcast asks critical questions from my teenage years, like, was the band Weezer being ironic with the sweater song? Or were they just authentically zany? I ask you to go with me in that question. Maybe Weezer was just misunderstood. This, by the way, is the first of 15 albums that Weezer put out, 15 albums? I lost track after three because it went, in my opinion, downhill from here. I was at a cafe this week in Iowa City working on this very teaching when a mid-2000s Weezer song came over the cafe, cafe sound waves. And I was like simultaneously a little bit annoyed and irritated and cringing over like mid-2000s Weezer. Um, I think I actually liked the song when I first heard it back in the day. 
And then I found myself kind of annoyed, like, why can't we listen to, like, amazing local Iowa City artists in our Iowa City cafes? We've got our own James Tutson with his original stuff, folks. Yes, on Spotify, on Apple Music, go check it out. But we've got that opportunity. But instead, our managers of Iowa City cafes are making the grave error of playing mid-2000s Weezer. I'm coming back, I promise. <laughs> okay, so this podcast includes lots of bands that I loved when I was a teenager. And me and my friends and I, we drive to Chicago to go to concerts as frequently as possible. And so as I'm listening to the podcast, I am time traveling. I am time traveling to that moment in 1995 at the Riv Theater when I am in this throng of young bodies Grooving, jamming, singing, shouting to Radiohead at one of the best moments of my teenage life. And I'm there, and it is amazing. And I remember this, and now I would not have, at the time, narrated that as a spiritual experience. But I can tell you now, it was. And God was there. Because when I time travel now back to myself, at 17 years old in the Riv Theater, listening to Radiohead, I know God is with me, and I can experience God in that moment. This is true time travel, my friends. Now, by the way, the consensus among philosophers and physicists, I'm sorry to tell you, is that time doesn't exist. And you'll tell me, David, it feels like it does. And I'll be like, you're absolutely right. So it doesn't matter if time exists or not because our experience is, uh, well, time does really exist. And that's the good news. And like all human experience, we can take it very seriously. And so does God. It is in time, in our experience of time's passing, that we meet God. Now, in the Christian tradition, and in the Bible, we can find a very strong emphasis on all three parts of time, the past, the present, and the future. And in each one of those, there is a critical question that the Bible or tradition is asking. What did God do in the past? What is God doing today in the present? And what will God do in the future? Ideally, there's a balance between past and present and future. And we're constantly working through each one of those, cycling through them, asking these questions. And it's all balanced. Sometimes they can get out of whack. For example, if the past dominates, it can squash new interpretations or the new life that God is bringing about today. Well, this morning, we're going to take a look at a story from the Bible where we see this interplay of past and present and future, and how all three are crucial for a vital faith life. Okay, so we're going to jump right into the story. It comes to us from John chapter 1. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right, now, when we look at this story through the lens of time, there are two very different diverging experiences within this story. Okay, so the first is the disciples, their real-time experience of Jesus and what's happening to them. The other is the narrator's perspective and how the narrator frames it. Now, for the disciples, their real-time experience is one of falling in love. These young men are meeting Jesus, and they are smitten. And I don't mean that in a romantic way, but the disciples are absolutely enchanted with Jesus. There is nothing that matters right now except this moment, this encounter with Jesus and all that Jesus represents to them. Now, what happens to time when you're falling in love? Stand still. There's no time. It doesn't matter. There's no past. There's no future. There's not even really a present. It's just all-consuming now. And what you're thinking about is your beloved. Time gets smooshed. It collapses. That's what's happening for the disciples. Okay? And we can do this with people, obviously. We fall in love with people, as humans are wont to do. But we can fall in love with all kinds of things and experience a sense of losing our sense of ourselves, losing our sense of time, you know, and what we get wrapped up in. We can do this with a song or at a concert, like my Radiohead experience. We can do this when we're playing a game that we love, right? We get in the flow, we get in the groove, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, look how late it is. We can do it on Woodpecker Trail when we watch that tufted titmouse jump from branch to branch on the maples. Glory, falling in love, time collapses. Maybe the philosophers are right. Time doesn't exist. Just the beloved. That's what it is. This is what the disciples are experiencing with Jesus. Time doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus and what Jesus is offering them in this moment. Now, when we look at and consider the framing of the story from the narrator, we get a very different perspective. We get the past, we get the present, and we get the future. We're going to take each in turn. So the first, the past. Philip finds Nathaniel and says, we have found the one about whom Moses and the prophets wrote, this guy named Jesus. So Philip's making quite a claim here. He's saying that we found this guy that Moses and the prophets, the Bible, wrote about. It's a big deal. It's a bit like in contemporary American uh, politics appealing to the Constitution, right? This document that frames and has a weight and a gravitas to it. And when people, when politicians make a claim that this is in line with the Constitution or you're breaking with the Constitution, 
It's a big deal, a big rhetorical move, right, in political speech. This is what's happening with Philip and Nathaniel. He's saying, look, all the tradition that we've received, this entire tradition is pointing to the person of Jesus. In real time, we're experiencing the fulfillment, and it puts a real exclamation point on what's happening. This past carried forward. So then the present. In the present of the story, as I just mentioned, this kind of falling in love that the disciples are experiencing. But from the perspective of the narrator, what's happening here is a big game of hide and seek. Only in this version, it's a little ambiguous about who's finding whom. Who's it in the story? Is Jesus it? Are the disciples it? Because in the order of the story, first Jesus finds Philip. Then Philip finds Nathaniel. Then Nathaniel's skeptical, so Philip says, come and see. We'll go find him together. And they both go and find Jesus. So you hear it, right? This weaving of who's finding whom, who's doing the seeking. Are they seeking Jesus? Is Jesus seeking them? Yes. Hide and seek. Now, this game is a favorite of John's throughout the rest of his story in the Gospel of John. We see people, person after person, finding Jesus. Or we see person after person being found by Jesus. And it's ambiguous all throughout the story. The writer, John, does this to offer the reader, us, a template. A template for what it means to experience God. And that is that sometimes we look for Jesus in the present And sometimes Jesus is looking for us in the present. Sometimes we find Jesus. Sometimes we're found by Jesus. And the key is to keep our eyes open. Because whether or not we're doing the finding or being found, how do we recognize? Well, we do it by paying attention, by staying woke. Yes? I mean it. And we come to find Jesus or being found by Jesus by paying attention, keeping our eyes open. All right, last we come to the future. Future, future, future. There is uh, a promise from Jesus, and here we have the full section here. But Jesus tells uh, Nathaniel. So Nathaniel comes and finds him, they have this interaction. He says, you're going to see greater things than these. You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So let's break it down. So first, that detail, the Son of Man. Son of Man is one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself. So he's speaking in third person. The Son of Man, me, hi. That's all that that is. It's from the Bible, from the book of Daniel. And then this detail. Heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is a detail that means heaven and earth are no longer quite separate. The barrier between heaven and earth is gone. There is an overlapping, coincidental reality that's happening between heaven and earth. They are right here, right on top of one another. It's as easy as going to Illinois, you know? 
I mean, there's the Mississippi River, but, you know, we've made it pretty easy to get across with 20 bridges. Six of them are railroads. One of them is rail and road. But there's lots of easy ways to get there. And the sense that heaven and earth are separate places or separate times, that collapses in the person of Jesus. In and through Jesus, there is this easy overlap between heaven and earth. And the story then goes on to illustrate that again and again. So John uses this as a foreshadowing of what's to come. And we watch it play out. We watch heaven overlap with earth all the time in the Gospel of John. We watch water turn into wine, barrels full of water that turns into wine from Jesus as he saves a wedding. We watch him overturn the injustice in a temple because that's heaven overlapping with earth. We watch him feed multitudes with a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. We witness Jesus die and be raised again with a promise of future return. That's the future that Jesus is promising to Nathaniel that he will witness. What's wild is that that future that Jesus promises Nathaniel is now our past. It's part of the tradition that we have received, that we carry with us, to mine for the good stuff that God may have for us. Okay, so we have this pattern, the past, the present, the future that's offered to us for our faith journey today. The past, the entire tradition given to us. Moses and the prophets, the gospels, the Bible, church traditions over the centuries. We have the present, this game of hide and seek. Are we finding God today? Is God finding us today? And we have our future, this promise of the boundary lines of heaven and earth dissipating, a collapsing of time and space, a overlap of heaven and earth. Um, I don't have any bad news for us today. <laughs> whenever, whenever one of the first, and this is an insight into sermon prep, at least from David's point of view, one of the first questions I ask is, what's the trouble? I'll pick a, you know, pick a story from the Bible and I'll ask, what's the trouble? And there's no trouble here. <laughs> and there's, it, it's just good news. It's a good news of finding God in the past, good news of finding God in the present, good news of finding God in the future. Because whatever time we have, it is all of God. It is a gift. It is a gift to us where we have an opportunity to find God. We find God in the past, in the tradition. We can mine it for good stuff. And when it doesn't work for us, what do we do with the tradition? We set it aside. It's fine. And we can find God today in the present. This game of hide and seek. We take what we are given. We take the moments day to day. And we can pause and reflect and ask, where is God? How is God here, present, now, in this reality, in my experience, here and now? 
And this promise of a future, the hope we hold out of heaven and earth overlapping realities, that we can hope for that, we can lean into that hope and work towards that, following Jesus into that, clearing our own temples, multiplying food for everyone. That's the invitation. The kingdom of God is within you, says Jesus. You have it in you to time travel, to mine the past, the present, the future, to find God, be found by God in all time. Amen. I want to close with a brief prayer exercise. And so this time, I want to invite you to pick any pleasant memory, any pleasant memory at all from your childhood. And that's a big range. Maybe you're 22. (laughs) Pick a pleasant, pleasing memory from your childhood. And we're going to bring that memory to God in prayer. And we're going to time travel there with God. So however you're comfortable entering into prayer, I invite you to do so. Come, Holy Spirit. Help us to access your presence in our past. So go ahead and pick any pleasant memory from childhood. When life was good, you felt happy. Take a moment to reflect on that memory. Where were you? Who were you with? Notice the details about the space around you. If you're outside or if you're indoors, what's going on around you? Invite God to show you where is God in this memory? What was God doing in this memory. For some of us, as we imagine the past and and ask that question, we might just have a feeling of, of comfort. That's God. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Others of us, you might feel helped if you picture Jesus with you in that memory. You can kind of picture Jesus. Maybe Jesus is there with you. You can see what Jesus is doing or saying. You might have a different image of God that you want to employ and notice God in that memory. And spend just a second thanking God, expressing gratitude for this moment, that memory. God, thank you for all the ways that you have been with us in our lives, that you continue to be with us, that you promise your presence with us. Thank you for the capacity to engage with you in our past, in the past, in the present, and in the future. 
Help us to open our eyes to find you and to be found by you, just like the disciples in this story. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.